0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the Ways of Working podcast. I am your host, Adam Thackeray, and I am here today and delighted to be joined by Martin Ridlow. So Martin is passionate about helping people make the healthier choice and get outdoors more. We definitely can all use more of that these days. Uh, Throughout his career, he has helped build products, services, companies, and communities around this passion. He has translated his marketing experience at Procter & Gamble, Minute Maid, Universal Studios, and Campbell's into a methodical approach for developing strategies, brands, and marketing campaigns for small businesses and communities. In addition to helping launch sports supplement and recovery beverages, Martin has helped Collingwood reposition itself as a preeminent Eastern Canadian community for entrepreneurs and young adults seeking a more balanced outdoor-centric lifestyle. He recently became president of Duntroon Highlands Resort Limited, which is a golf course transforming itself into a four-season retreat for people who want to experience a new kind of outdoor freedom. This includes golf, a locally inspired cafe, the escarpment trails, which integrate into the Bruce Trail, and also retreats to help reconnect families, friends, and teams. Martin lives in Collingwood with his, family, with his family, exploring and celebrating the incredible assortment of outdoor adventures in southern Georgian Bay. He has held board positions with a variety of community organizations, including the Collingwood Youth Center and South Georgian Bay Tourism Association. I'm very excited to have Martin on board uh, for this podcast. Uh, we had a, a great conversation. He's just a really easy guy to, to sit down and talk with, um, you know, genuinely uh, outgoing and passionate and, and a happy individual, always looking to, you know, make great change, do the best, get involved with youth and, and really drive, you know, change in the community. So I, I always sit, you know, love sitting down to, to talk with change agents and, and Martin is definitely one of those individuals. So uh, without further ado, I'd like to welcome Martin Ridley. Martin Ridlow here today. Thank you very much for joining the Ways of Working podcast. Very happy to have you here. Thanks for joining. Great to be here. Amazing. So uh, we were doing some brainstorming back and forth and immediately your first story that came up and what really got me curious was around this first free new year. So so talk to uh, me yes. ab- a bit about this, because you've had a number of, you know, transformational things, which I think is amazing. But this one, I was just like, wow, that's it, it got my my curious juices going. So can you talk a bit more about that? For sure. So my family originally comes from the Czech Republic. Okay.
1: Uh, yeah. My mom and dad came here in 68 when the Russians rolled into Prague. Yeah. And uh, they literally had knapsacks on their back. And wow. that's that. And yeah. That's what they grew from. Um, so I'd always been inspired by the stories, what's going on back in, you know, the yeah. homeland. And uh, when the wall started coming down, so to speak, in 89, um, we just managed to sort of get a flight over there, go over there. Uh, My grandmother had actually died. So it's just one of those things. It all just happened that we could actually go back. And remember, they weren't allowed to go back. If they would have gone back prior to that, they probably would have been put in jail for a whole bunch of
0: years. That's crazy. Um,
1: And our family was one of those families that was... Uh, I would say, identified by the communists as being uh, far too unwanted Uh. uh, in the Czech Republic. (laughs) So it was one of those things where they had to be careful. So this is our first chance to go back. And uh, it happened to be just around Christmas and New Year's. And uh, so they hadn't celebrated New Year's um, not since '68. Actually, since like 48, when the communists actually took over, right? The Russians just rolled in with their tanks in 68, but they had been under communist rule. And my uncle had been in jail for 11 years. My aunt had been in jail for another eight years. Like it was one of those things that the family had been persecuted, as had many others uh, since 48. Right. And all of a sudden, we're on the main square, like once it's last square. Yeah. And it's like 10 o'clock. And my parents are like, you know, we're going home. And I'm like i'm not going home i'm staying here (laughs) like i'm 20 years old 19 years old first time over there and um you know i'm a canadian um i haven't grown up over there and i just managed to scramble up on top of the tree people are saying make sure you don't break break any branches and (laughs) stuff like that and i watched as people celebrated new years for the first time and for many of them in their lives because they weren't allowed to do any public celebration that was viewed as being far too anarchist in the communist world And the energy that you had from like 25, 30, 40,000 people in the square just celebrating New Year's for the first time. Boy, was it ever a reminder of, first of all, how lucky we are here in Canada to have the freedoms that we've got, right? Yes, COVID is tough, but, you know, we're going to go back. um, For people that had been in jail, that had been persecuted, being able to go out there and say, We can actually take our own ideas and start Mm -hmm. running our own companies and let our entrepreneurial spirits thrive. Boy, was that ever a wake-up call for me. And it's probably stuck with me ever since in terms of the privilege that we've got here to be able to do what we can. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. if you got an idea, please go after it, whether it be in your personal life, in your professional life, with friends, family. Don't just think about it, do it.
0: Do it. I think that's a big deal It's just to get into do it. Do you think that that, like you, you mentioned a bit, so that's obviously spawn. you know, you're, you know, you mentioned about being a, a strong individual, growing in health and and mental, but as well as, you know, you're involved with a tremendous amount of entrepreneurial work, um, both now and in the past. Has that been a, a key driver, that perseverance, that resilience? You know, can you talk a bit more about that? For sure. It's something that, you know, I, I grew up with. I was fortunate
1: to be in that kind of environment. Uh, I went to engineering at uh, Queen's University, and even there, you could see that entrepreneurial spirit yep. starting to come up, and I was surrounded by a community of people that were very focused on. Uh, not only health, but outdoors, but also just saying we have an opportunity. So we right. organized the first university triathlon team to go over to France Very and cool. compete over there. Yeah. Um, you know, a group of us were the first ones, first Canadians to go down and do the Eco Challenge down in Utah. Oh,
0: amazing. Um, That's so, a tough run, that one.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah it's a tough run. <laughs> um, and we were going into it. No one had done it before, so we really didn't know what to expect. No idea, no um, prep. No prep. No TV beforehand to see what's going on, <laughs> so in we went. We, we learned along the way pretty fast. Um, so I think it's been one of those things where getting exposed to those opportunities where you just have to seize the moment yeah. has certainly grown that entrepreneurial spirit, but I think has also built up the resilience because, you know, as you can imagine, the Eco Challenge, day three, you haven't slept, you haven't eaten properly, you're tired, you got swollen blisters, yeah. your teammates are getting sick. Um, how do you fight through that? How do you go off and get to the finish line? And it's something that I think in youth that we see growing up right now, it's so important to give them those opportunities yeah. to learn how to persevere, how to have the resilience to say that didn't work out, but how do I keep on going at it? Yeah. Um, and the opportunities are there. And there's some wonderful youth that are really doing that. But I think we have to continue giving them those opportunities to
0: succeed and yeah, fail. Totally. And, and what are some ways, because obviously we're in the midst of COVID and you know, it's, a, it's a challenge, but as you said, there's obviously been far off, uh, far worse situations that have taken place in history. Um, what are some ways that people can work on that, both youth and those, uh, even adults right now? Because it, it is a tough time for those who haven't faced any sort of challenges of this nature in life. What are some ways that they can deal with it now and better mentally prepare themselves so that they can just continue to flourish? Great question. I think a lot of your other...
1: Um, guests have touched on this, and that's the connection with the outdoors Mm -hmm. and staying active, moving the body. Um, And it's interesting, we're now learning far more about what's important in terms of how our bodies work and how our minds work. Uh, And it's actually become a bit of a passion of mine, figuring out the connection between the mind and the body. Uh, and what they're certainly seeing is that physical health is important, but it's equally important for mental health, and they're truly connected. Yes. So one of the things I'm encouraging, you know, our staff to do, friends, family, is just get outdoors, seize the opportunity mm-hmm. to go out there. And we had a group that was cross country skiing, and we we're trying to see nice. how many cross country ski kilometers we could log this nice. uh, this winter. And you know, my buddy, I think he got up to 2,300 kilometers. Wow. I was at a lowly 1,700 <laughs> kilometers. Right. And this is the kind of gang that we're hanging. <laughs> out
0: with you're sitting down too much, right? Yeah, that's
1: right. You know, I gotta work on it next year. But you know, that kind of a challenge was one that we just created for ourselves and seized the opportunity. We're fortunate to be here in South Georgian Bay where mm-hmm. you can go out there and cross country yeah. ski. The number of people that I heard about going snowshoeing and discovering new areas of the yeah. Bruce Trail that they'd never seen before. Um, I think is fantastic. And that's certainly something that right now as we head into the spring, the summer, the hikes that are available here, the bike rides that are available here, the paddling that's available here. We're so fortunate to have that. And I think that's really important as people work through this tough time is to actually build into their days that time where they can get away from it all, get outdoors and be active. And it's hard. But I know I always start my week with actually going, where are my workouts and my time outside going to be? Right. And then I cluster the rest of my week around because I just know it's so important for my mind and my body to be strong. Um, What can youth do? I've been a big advocate and I continue to be a big advocate of giving youth a chance to do Um, co-ops. Get actual work experience. And in this day and age, getting work experience. If you have work experience in a field, you are head and shoulders above the next candidate.
0: Yeah. Yet it's so hard to get it because so many companies are going, I don't want to take the risk on um, and, and why is that? Like, what, what is the risk? Uh, like, obviously, there, there's damage that can reputational damage or loss, but like, is there really that great of risk? Like, I don't think there is. Yeah. But you
1: need the time to manage that student right, as you're going you through it. And I think that's probably the biggest fear that companies have, and rightfully so, that they don't have the resources, they're running tight. Right. So, is this student going to work out? And is, are they actually going to help me? Or yeah. is it going to be more of a hindrance? And I'm just going to invest time that's going to disappear into thin air. Um, you know, while I was over with the town of Collingwood, we we're fortunate that we ran a summer co-op program for mm-hmm. uh, primarily business students to be able to come in there and work at the business development center. We had a summer grant nice. uh, for that, and we've had a number of students go through that. It's awesome seeing them grow yeah. and uh, expand their careers, and come back and then go, "Yeah, you know what? That was a really neat session. I learned this and this, Martin." Um, And we've been able to to repeat that this year actually at Duntru Highlands. Right. Um, We actually hired a Dalhousie co-op student who grew up here in Collingwood, got a subsidy from Dalhousie. And they are our business analyst right now during March and April. Perfect. And the timing is impeccable, right? Because this is when we're working on finalizing our business plans for the golf season. Mm -hmm. So he's digging into all of our numbers, coming up with a business plan, making recommendations, reviewing the data some more, reviewing yeah. the survey data, so that what I would normally never be able to find the time to do, or I'm doing it at midnight, Yeah, he's actually learning from it. And we have our weekly calls every Monday. He's out there at Dalhousie. It's yeah. virtual. Um But it's really neat to see how he's growing and how he's learning how to write recommendations, how to set up agenda meetings, how to do action items, how to write a business plan, how to analyze data. Amazing. Um, And does it take time? Sure. But think of how much further ahead he's going to be now that he's going back and he's going to be able to say, I have had a chance to actually work on a real business and real business cases. And that's where I put the challenge out to other companies to go, there are opportunities and there are students out there that can fit it. Go through the usual recruiting process, seek out some of the summer grants that are out there, some of the student grants that are available. And I think in a lot of cases, you'll find that you're actually inspired by what the youth can bring back as well. And that's certainly what this student has done. It's been awesome. He's actually made several observations that has helped us focus and really make sure we're relevant
0: to younger adults. So do you think it's uh, like it's it's great, I think, one that you get mutual value there, right? Because that's always a challenge, too, is that, you know, as a and usually it's middle management who is um, some consider it being stuck with bringing the intern or co-op in. But to your point, I think it's a great experiential learning exercise. And in turn, if they're a high you know performing individual or looking to be, they're going to do great things. And you're going to learn typically as much from them as they will from you. And you are going to get value out of it. Um, Do you think it's an educational piece where, you know, companies aren't aware of just what's, uh, you know, valuable or available to them? Or is it more of, and and to be blunt, it's not not a laziness piece, but it is might be they just have too many things on the go that they can't prioritize that little segment of time, you know, as you indicated before, to stop and look at it and say, okay, what are we going to get out of this? Let's bring them in. There is a slight investment of time, you know, a few hours to, to ramp that individual up but it's also a trust to let them go and do stuff, to fail, to learn, to grow as well, right? So uh, I think it comes down to priorities. Mm. Uh, I can never
1: recommend that all companies should be pursuing this if sure. it doesn't fit into their priorities yeah. um, and if they don't see that youth, for example, is a core area where they want to be investing time and energy into. And mm-hmm. that's to- totally fine, right? A yeah. good business is all about making decisions and yes. saying no to certain things. Yeah. In our case, we've said youth and giving youth opportunities to work, get outside, mm-hmm. be active, is our primary give back to the right. community. And so last year, even when COVID, COVID was looming, we didn't know if we were going to be able to open until middle of May. We already had youth ready to go. And right. we were saying we're hiring, we're hiring, we're hiring no matter what because we just saw that as such an important piece of making sure we could have youth Have an opportunity to work uh, when so many other jobs, camps, and so on said, we're not offering any jobs. Yeah. So for us, that was a commitment. It was a real awakening for us to go, you know what? Youth is really important for us. It's important for for us from a business standpoint because we employ a lot of youth. Yeah. It's important for Stacy, my wife and I, because we just believe that giving youth opportunities is something that we've always viewed as an important part of our lives, and we've mm-hmm. always been there to help support youth. Um, and on top of it, we see it as an important opportunity to connect with some of our players, some of yep, our guests, totally. who mm-hmm. we see that golf is going through a renaissance where we actually want more youth to be coming up there. And unless we're projecting a youthful image, They're not going to be coming up over there. Exactly. So, you know, for us, there are three check marks that going out there and hiring a youth co-op student get checked off on when we say, yes, we're going to go off and have a co-op student and he's going to work with us for two months. We got a number of other students that are doing special projects uh, from, you know, we got a hospitality student from Guelph University that's working with us. We managed to find a subsidy through the provincial government for that. Nice. So it's a commitment we've made. It takes time. Yeah but once again, it's a choice that we've made and it's a strategic choice that we've made. And that's mm. where I think some companies just have to reflect upon and go, is that what we want to have as our priority? Priorities, or if yeah. there are other things, great, go for it. Mm-hmm. But certainly if youth are your priority and you see giving youth um, a chance to work, there are so many grants, so many opportunities, so many co-op programs now yeah. that are out there and available for those youth to
0: be able to come in and join those companies. And I I think that's – I think it should be a priority because one of the challenges is that a lot of youth, even university kids, they're not prepped for the real working world, right? They don't learn sales. They don't learn finance. They don't learn project management. They don't learn any capabilities of resilience or perseverance, all critical thinking. Some of it's taught, but it's more theoretical or they don't spend enough time in it and there's not – to your point, you don't get the experience. So you might get the book aspect of it. You might get a bit of the back and forth, maybe some case studies, but you're not getting the experiential learning that you would get with an internship. So, you know, kudos to you guys for doing that. You mentioned Duntroon Golf Course. You've obviously purchased that recently after, you know, you've transitioned out of your role as economic director in in Collingwood. You're now running the Duntroon Golf Course, um, but you have a much grander vision for it. It's not just simply a golf course, if you will. Um, Tell us a little bit more about it, because I think it's really neat that you're encompassing some of those big beliefs that you have. Absolutely. So Duntroon Highlands Golf has been there since 86. That's when they
1: opened. Uh, And the Sampson's did an amazing job. Uh, Dalton Sampson at the time was sort of, the head of the family and they took a bunch of cow pastures essentially and clean them with their hands, with their friends, and create this incredible golf course mm-hmm. located uh, high up on the Niagara Escarpment, it's actually, it's actually Ontario's highest golf course. Nice. Um, spectacular views, uh, the headwaters of the Bateau River are over there, uh, the Bruce Trail intersects the property now, we actually made that move with the Bruce Trail last year where they actually cut a whole new three and a half K section. That's awesome. Um, so we didn't get to do the ribbon cutting last year, but we'll do it once the Bruce trail opens up again um so it's this incredible location uh next door we've got highlands nordic um that uh has been around and actually started off at the same time as the golf course in the same oh, okay. clubhouse. So yep. there's a history of working together there. And we actually discovered the property by skiing at Highlands Nordic and going, yeah. what's this golf course doing? And <laughs> Wow, this great area. And what's happening? It's one of those things, right? <laughs> this missing gem we haven't seen. It, and, it was and just exactly. <laughs> um, so um, it was an opportunity that just the timing presented itself to be just the right time where... Yep. Uh, the Samsons were saying, look, we're looking to find someone that has the same passion for this. And they'd always seen the opportunity of it being a four-season resort. Right. Um, and with the background that my wife and I have um, around events, four-season recreation, sports, activity outdoors, it, it was just sort of a lifelong yes. dream uh, that very came cool. true. Um, so we bring a lot of passion to it, for yeah. sure. Um, we're certainly very thankful for the work that the Samsons and many others have done up there mm-hmm. in terms of moving those rocks and setting up those uh, golf uh, greens. Yeah, it's and, a lot of work. Oh, there's a ton of work. It's funny. I talked to so many people that are like, oh, I remember when I was a kid, I'd go up there and I'd help them move <laughs> rocks and set up greens and nice. all kinds of stuff. So there's a real strong history there. What we see as the big opportunity is to really tap into the original vision of making sure it's a four-season resort. But it's a different kind of resort. I use resort more because it's just the official name. Sure, yeah. Uh, I would call it more of a micro-retreat where people can get away from it all, uh, as we like to call it, uh, come up and play. Nice. Get away from it all, come up, get some fresh air, be surrounded by nature, and just have some fun. Uh, and whether it's golfing, whether it's hiking, we've got a fantastic set of mountain biking trails up over there that we've developed in partnership with Cork. Um, or if it's just sitting down for some good food and watching the trees and the babbling brooks, yeah, that's all up there. Um, and so we opened up snowshoeing for the first time this winter. Which was a really neat experience, particularly under these times of duress, right? Yeah. Where all the snowshoeing routes on the Bruce Trail and the Escarpment are really packed up, no parking anywhere.
0: Crazy. So uh, yeah, it's crazy to think about that. Snowshoeing's is a lot of fun though. Like we took it up, we did it, a, you know, a little further northeast of here with the with the family, and we loved it. Even the kids were having a blast because oh, yeah. obviously snowshoes have evolved over the last you know few decades and. You can really move on them now, and they're much more enjoyable to use. So, And it's great to get out with with doing that with the family.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, whether you like the trails or whether you just go out into the fresh powder and cut your own trail, um, that's part of the joy of snowshoeing and being outdoors in the wintertime. Um, the crackling fire, having some schmores over the fire. Sure, um, yeah. Those are all the things where we looked around and we said, at a micro-experiential level, which is actually, I think, becoming more and more important as we go mm. through COVID, people are like, do I want to be in a big crowd? Right. Maybe not. So, yeah. you know, we had... Um, foursomes of snowshoers starting every 10 minutes just to make sure that it was distance we never had a crowd there Uh, we really made sure there was a controlled crowd around the different fire pits and we actually bought more fire pits so that people could have their own kind of private fire pit that's very cool Um, so that whole experience of getting outdoors and soaking it all up is something that we've thought we need to bring there and we see as perhaps one of the biggest opportunities not only in South Georgian Bay but even in as you take a look at southern ontario mm-hmm. where where can you go and golf and if someone doesn't yeah. want to golf they can still go on a hike or they can mountain bike totally. or if they want to do some yoga, we got a fantastic spot up top where these incredible views unfold in front of you. The birds are chirping, the wind is blowing through the trees. Like you look at it and you're like, "Is that for real?" I'm like, <laughs> I go there every day just because I get away, and sure. that's something that we want to share back with the community, and that's really what drives our passion for
0: Dunchu and Highlands and what we're creating there. Very cool. I think that's amazing. Even like the, the the story you're telling around, I'm like, I want to go out there. I was actually trying to bid on a rotary. Uh, there was a, 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 a something for volunteers where you could bid on this, and they had a live auction sort of. Yep. And I was trying to bid on it for your golf course because I yeah, kept yeah. hearing about it. So, anyways, I'll make my way out there eventually. But it, it it does sound amazing. I've heard great things about it. And do you think people are starting to discover more of the smaller things now? Obviously, there's been this big shift in life. Uh, my my family, as you know, moved up here. You you mentioned that you know you moved up here once upon a time from you know the city as well. Do you think that people are starting to discover the smaller, simpler things in life? and realize the value and enjoyment that comes from those, um, given what's been taking place? I think we're going through what I like to call
1: a discontinuity. Um, And from a business strategy standpoint, Discontinuities are fantastic times because discontinuities trigger our brains to go, I'm not going to continue with a routine. At the end of the day, people are very lazy. Uh, they, they like to they, continue doing what they've they, been doing. They really are. Um, they really and, are. And, and you know, people go, <laughs> well, that's a bold statement. I'm like, it's actually the way our brains are wired, right? You have your different neurons that connect up in your brain. And once they're yeah. connected up, they want to stay that way. They don't like changing no. the way the telomeres and all the different aspects of the brain are connected. And so that discontinuity forces something to happen where all of a sudden we go, you know, what? we have to change our habits. Yes. and in doing that, there is an opportunity to rethink and ask the question, why am I? Why have I been doing this all the time, right? Why have I been driving 45 minutes in traffic to and from work Absolutely. when right now I can actually work virtually from my house and probably the company is gonna be doing that for the next foreseeable future. Yes. Um, maybe I don't need to live in downtown Toronto. Maybe I can live in Collingwood or in South Georgian Bay because yeah. I don't need to be doing that yeah. drive anymore. And as part of that, I think people are going, do I want to be part of big crowds or do, am I looking for smaller, more intimate settings where mm. I can have a bit more safety that I am not going to get COVID or for that matter, any other uh, bug or virus. But I think it's even from a the standpoint of discovery, um, being able to find things that You don't always see in the regular tourism guides Um, those undiscovered gems. Mm. and and I think Scenic Caves, for example, has done a fantastic job with that where, you know, who's been in a cave in and around southern Ontario? It's one of the few places where you can go and do that. And the suspension bridge and the discovery trails they have there. So certainly in South Georgian Bay, I think we've been doing this uh, from a tourism standpoint for a long time where we've been giving people a chance to discover those micro experiences, right? The bike rides here. Um, They're all about the views, uh, the valleys, the villages, right? That's unique. You can't find that anywhere else else in Ontario in that Mm -hmm. same concentration. But it's small clusters of four people, six people, ten people going out biking and discovering these little places like Kimberly and going, wow, this is so cool. Um, And those discovery experiences uh, are those memorable moments, I think, that people are going to be seeking much more than just the I'm
0: doing the same old, same old trip that I've done every single year. Yeah, the Instagram piece that everyone else is doing. They're looking yeah. to go off the, and, and Airbnb started to do that, right? Where they started to add these more custom experiences where so I, I really do think that it's gonna end well, Airbnb is expected to just take take, you know, a, a crazy flight as things start to come around. But you know, regionally, I think it is amazing because there are just so many hidden gems. Like we've done scenic caves and, you know, even the 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 skating at the top of the hill there that, that they put that in. But there is just a tremendous amount of things you can discover. Even the beaches along, you know, between here and Thornbury, there are these little pockets. And unless you know about them or, or do a little bit of research, you're never going to discover these little gems that you walk through the bush to get to. And then you're like, wow, this is amazing. And there's nobody there. Um, which is super cool. What What do you think that, you know, this community or just like smaller communities in in the region are going to look like in the next, you know, 10 to 20 years? Like obviously tourism is is going to evolve. There's going to be a need for, you know, there's population density. You see it happening at the south end of town and elsewhere. Um, but where do you see the community going in the next 10 to 20 years as things start to evolve and we become, you know, a, a bigger community? It, it's going to be a
1: tricky time. Um, and councils uh, in the municipalities right now I think are, hold a very critical role in defining how their communities are going to evolve Mm -hmm. post-COVID. Because, and we're seeing it right now, you look at the traffic on here, Ontario, right? Who who would have imagined that on a Wednesday or Thursday morning, you would have everything jammed up and people going and zipping back and forth. Uh, and it's been like this every single day this week. It has. Um,
0: it's been, it's been quite, quite busy. <laughs> oh yeah. So,
1: you know, we, when I was back with the town, uh, we worked on the economic development plan for the next five years, just got approved, uh, at the end of 2020. Um, and some of the things that we identified as being some of the biggest opportunities are figuring out attainable accommodation. Uh, and I, I'm, clear in saying attainable accommodation versus affordable accommodation, right? Affordable accommodation is subsidized accommodation that typically sells or is rented out below market value um, versus attainable accommodation, which is built to suit the needs of people that are coming in that may be just fresh out of school, that may not have the same means that someone yep. that's you know working and earning $150,000 a year, totally um, but it's at market value. yeah. Uh, and I think that's the big piece for South Georgian Bay to figure out because I really see this as an economic area as opposed to a collection of individual municipalities. And right. It's really neat to see the staff at the different municipalities do a wonderful collaboration. South Georgian Bay Tourism Association, for example, nice. has all municipalities represented there. And it's a great touch well, point for all the economic development officers there's economic ecosystems a labor task force and stuff like that that have all been here that have brought those communities together at the staff level and even at the mayoral level there is a lot of connectivity there and it's at that level that they got to be thinking about things like attainable accommodation to really make sure that that's a consideration and where does it actually belong um affordable transportation is the other piece um how does public transit fit into it? But in the 21st century, big buses driving around aren't the only solution to affordable transportation. No, they're not. Um, right, there's a number of upstart companies that are now you know, commercializing the idea of carpooling. There's certainly active transportation, and the Georgian Trail is such a great example of it. Yes. The trail that's being planned to go up to Blue Mountain Village to help bikers get around um, a little bit more conveniently. And, you know, fortunately in Collingwood, you're walking distance, you know, that 20-minute threshold from the downtown from just about every corner of Collingwood. So those walkable communities and advocating for them and making sure that the robust trail system that Collingwood already has continues to grow and expand and adjust as different community development projects come through in Collingwood – are gonna be critical to make sure that it remains that walkable community. Yeah. Um, I would say the last piece that's gonna be a consideration is education. Um, and that, that goes all the way from daycare through to elementary and high school. But even what can Georgian college provide or what can other universities provide by having satellite areas in here right. where they can do projects, where they can test out things, where they can innovate, create. Um, and that's absolutely critical to make sure that there's a skilled labor force here to support the companies. Um, because what we don't want to become is a hollow community no. where people don't work here or they just work virtually here and the companies here have to draw people from much broader areas to work here. That that hollows out a community. Yeah. Um. You know, in some municipalities down closer to the GTA, they may only have ten or fifteen percent of their people living in that community that work at the companies located right. there. Based on the McLean's study that was done uh, last year, we got ranked as you know one of the top twenty-five communities to watch in Canada. Um, the fact that over sixty-five percent of people live and work in this community was highlighted as a huge, huge advantage because you can then walk and bike to your work. And it's a whole different level of community connection that happens. And our farmer's market, of course, is such a great example of that. It goes back to what a farmer's market was 150 years ago, where you had a chance to reconnect with your community, with your friends. And, you know, the BIA has done a great job of fostering that, and it'll be fantastic to get back to the farmer's market, again, once we get through COVID, because of that community connection that it draws. And once again, you see the youth there working, and they're then finding jobs through that, and they're employed there. Yeah. And so that whole piece around education and making sure that that education is connected to the work that's available here is important so that you don't hollow out that community now and over the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years.
0: Right. Do you think with the education, it's going to evolve too, right? Because traditional education um, obviously has its merits, uh, but it also has its challenges. You know, back to the experiential side of it, and just the the need to to go to necessarily an institution to learn everything. Do you think we're going to start to see more experiential learning open up? That might have hubs like you've seen Seth Godin offer these, you know, alternate MBA programs. You've seen others that are you know prominent individuals who have been successful in the entrepreneurial space open these up. Um, there's one down in Niagara region that does, you know, actually hands-on, uh, traditional masonry work and other things. So are you, do you think that's going to start to take a greater hold here? Because it is focused around growth. It is an entrepreneurial region, um, but it's different than a number of the other areas, right? It has its own unique flavor here. Absolutely. And I
1: think Georgian college has actually been doing a great job of that. Um, they've worked over the last three years, to actually develop tourism programs as well as technology programs over at Georgian College because there is such a need in this area yep. for people with those skill sets. But it's a very symbiotic relationship. Those students have a chance to go and work right in the core of one right. of the major tourism hubs in Ontario, whether it be Blue Mountain or you know, up at our golf course or at Scenic Caves, yep. get that hands-on experience. And you know, as we evolve in the 21st century, that connection between tourism and tech is only gonna grow and for us to become a hub where you can get that experience for tourism and tech tech and how they come together, I I think is a huge opportunity for us and and the pieces of the puzzle are starting to come together. Um, Blue Mountain is very aware of that opportunity. Um, Certainly the Accelerator and Georgian College as well as some of the employers here are really starting to say, yeah, you know what we need to advocate for tourism, but that technology piece linked into that tourism aspect is important in making sure that the kinds of knowledge experiences that are given to those tourism students yeah. marry up with the real needs of the business. You know, yes. People go tourism and tech, what are you talking about, Martin? Yeah so you know I take a look at snowmaking. Snowmaking has become a high, high tech. Endeavor for any one of our ski hills to take on, Um, whether they have a custom built one like Blue Mountain has, Mm -hmm. or whether they purchase one like Osler or Alpine, um, the need to maintain those, the number of computers that are required to constantly manage and adjust them to draw the right kind of water, to make sure the water consistency is there, and even then to make sure they get groomed properly, right? Because if you have a pile of snow and you groom over it, you may have only a foot you know, 10 meters away, but under the gun, you may have three meters of snow. Right? How do you know that when you're in a groomer? You don't, unless you have satellite imagery that does it. So there's another company that's developed an app and a whole system for that here. That's very um, cool. So that opportunity to marry tourism and tech is here. And I just use that as an example, because sure. I think snowmaking is familiar to everyone. Yes. But you know, the list can go on in terms of manufacturing, yeah. even up at our golf course, you know, the use of iPads to check in people in the system, the back end system that we've got through Lightspeed, it's a completely technology-driven platform that we've got mm-hmm. summer students up there right now already, just making sure that all the memberships are loaded, that all the programs are ready to go so that people can sign up virtually, can they can check in virtually. Um, and that is the reality of today's industry, that you need to be technologically oriented. Yes. You, know, you take a look at someone like um, um, Spirit, um, uh, forgetting their name, uh, Free Spirit, oh, free spirit. Um, yeah. right? Their center over in the Beaver Valley has been taking appointments over computers where they've actually, instead of having people drop by, they had to book themselves into the different slots in there. Once again, what system are you going to use? How are you going to make sure that stays active? You need someone doing that, social Mm -hmm. media, Instagram. Once again, that knowledge of tourism by technology is integral to them, making sure they can keep up with the times and continue to offer great experiences to people, which they did a great job of throughout both the winter and the summer. Um, But again, they grasped onto technology and they ran with it. Um, and that's where this whole notion of tourism and tech and letting students get real experiences here in South Georgian Bay, I think, is a huge opportunity here. Yeah, it's amazing. I think
0: it's great. And the, the the understanding of technology and what's going to be of value to you, because a lot of people see a lot of great tools and technologies, but actually understanding it and then being able to apply it is significant because there is that disconnect with Businesses, because their, their core thing is not technology, but as you said, and you know it's been written about that we're, we're in the age of software, we're in the age of digital. Every company is a tech company, or you should be gearing yourself towards it, because otherwise you're, you're going to fall behind. You already are behind. And so I think it's really great that companies are acknowledging it. I think there is a lot more work to do, um, but that's also the opportunity, right? I think there's just yeah. tremendous that can take place. Do you think that we're going to have, you know, with tu- you know the the tourism technology? Um, you mentioned your wife and yourself have a tremendous background in in events. Um, I, I've always wanted to go to South by Southwest, but I haven't had the chance to, um, and, and maybe next year I will. But do you think that we could adopt, or we're looking to to get into that sort of um, experience up here because, you know, no longer do people have to be, um, you know, working downtown Toronto, working in, a, in, a, in an urban core. They can then use these, uh, use the areas such as South Georgian Bay to come up here and have those. They're not off sites, they're more experiences and, and it provides a much more, you know, deep relationship with whoever's attending. I think you bring up
1: a wonderful concept uh, and I have seen a few places sort of start going, wait a second, Outdoors and experiences and connecting that into a retreat or reconnecting with teams um, is a huge opportunity. I just saw a post from Barry uh, and their BIA um, saying, hey, you know what? Come down to the waterfront and organize your team getaway down (laughs) at the waterfront. Wonderful initiative. Uh, I think here in South Georgian Bay, uh, and I actually think with the founder and Brent and I have brainstormed this in the past, that opportunity to create something where you can be outdoors and you can be inspired by it, you can be energized by it uh, and create unique connections. Um, That, I think, is a huge opportunity that we've got here that no one has really tackled. But I Mm -hmm. think with the kind of entrepreneurial momentum that we've got here, it's ripe. It's just waiting for someone to say, let's get this figured out and let's make it happen. I know this year we're actually launching a whole new retreat program up at Duntru Highlands. Where we're actually actively helping companies re-energize their teams after all the COVID stuff. Amazing. Um, and so you know they can certainly come and do the golf, but yep. for a lot of people, golf that's that's not core to them. Uh, you know, yeah. there's one company here in town, tech company, and their uh, owner and founder is huge in mountain biking. But there's no place where you can go cross-country mountain biking here and be able to come down, have a local beer, have some good food on the patio, maybe have a nice campfire at the end of the day, and just really connect with your uh your, with your team in a way that is authentic to the culture at that company. Right. Well we can do that up over there. Nice. Um if you hiking or yoga is more part of it, or you want to structure a full day retreat where you can start off with sunrise yoga, you want to have a nice healthy breakfast, you can go for golf, you can go hiking, you can finish off with a campfire and have interspersed in there various moments where you're talking about your culture and team connectivity and strategy. That's all possible. Um, and I think that notion of doing it in a big conference room, I think has faded out of people's memories because they're yeah. realizing we're not going back to that for the long t- for a long time yet. No. But I, I think that they've become much more conscious of the revitalizing aspect that nature and the outdoors can provide with fresh air. It yeah. always boggles me. I think we've all been at the big conference, right, where you sit in the conference room <laughs> yeah. from yeah. 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Then you have a chance to go and get changed and, oh, you're having drinks and then dinner, you're out yeah. till one o'clock yeah. and dinner. And by third day, you're like, I'm done. My my brain is tapped. It is. And the allowance for yourself time, for time to get outside, to just exercise, you know, you squeeze that in early in the morning, you get up extra early to go and do that. Uh, I think people have realized that's, that's insanity.
0: They keep on (laughs) doing it over and over, right? Oh no, here goes another conference. It's just because that's the way it's always been, right? That's what's been available to them. And, and because that is, they, they, people go more for the networking. They go for these sort of storytelling and conversations and, you know, what the insights and I think the wisdom that they will get from, you know, being out for drinks, because that's where the real conversations take place. You will get the odd great speaker at an event, but more times than not, it, the the speakers are they're kind of mediocre because you've either already watched them or they're not really singing a new song. And so it's not interesting. But yep. what is interesting is sitting next to the person, you know, beside you at the bar out for dinner, whatever it might be. And that sort of networking. And I think that's where the value and insights come from those. That's why I enjoy going in is to, is to meet people and hear their stories. Absolutely. And that's where I look
1: at it and I go, if you're gathering with people and you can be outdoors doing it, Way you know, better. your connection, you know, most of the memories I've got with connecting with friends and even during business um, meetings has been in settings either where you're close to the outdoors or you're in the outdoors. Oh, really? um, and, you know, I've had some of the best talks on hikes or uh, playing golf yep. be, because I think it helps change the framework of I have to have a conversation to what a great place this is. I'm yeah. really enjoying your company. Let's get to know each other a little bit more. Cool. And oh yeah, you know what? We can talk about business and networking, but it's not you know, the sole purpose where that's all you've got in front of you. Yeah. And that's where I think, as I mentioned before, we've come to a discontinuity where people are going, That's been insanity the way I've been doing it. Why should I go back to that? And that's where we really want to pilot some of these new opportunities up at Duntru and Highlands this summer Mm -hmm. where you can reconnect with friends and family in a whole different kind of way. We're actually super excited. We're going to be doing Christmas in July this year where families can go up to the ninth hole, which is sort of our signature hole. The whole bay uh, bay unfolds in front of you. And we're going to set up a long table there along with, Decorations on the trees, and Santa's gonna come up over there.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Because so
1: many families haven't had a chance to connect during Christmas time. Um, and for that matter, just connect. Totally. So, that idea of doing it in the summertime, well, why not? Like, sure. There's nothing stopping us from doing it. We're outside, and the kids can go running yeah. on the trails and the you family, play golf. Love it. Yeah. Um, so, those are some things that we're looking at doing to help people reconnect in that outdoor setting as opposed to just doing the same old, same old. Yeah.
0: I think that's very cool, that theme of it. You know, just because it, it is, it's literally totally different unexpected. So I think people will love it. And, you know, the kids will definitely love it because anytime Santa's around and you're, you're showing Christmas, so we'll definitely probably be there. So <laughs> that's amazing. So, you know, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, we, we've talked and you had some books in mind and, you know, we're, what are, you know, you you read a lot. What are some of the big ones on your, you know, on your reading table right now? And, and why do you feel those are important for you right now?
1: So I'll tell you, I'll be totally honest about reading for me. Um, I would love to read more. But in my daily routine, I've programmed my brain that when I read, that's usually when I'm going to sleep, when I'm going to bed at the end of the day. (laughs) So I struggle with I'll pick up a good book during the day and I'll start falling asleep, not because the book isn't good, but just purely because my brain has been programmed that once I read, that is a trigger. You're going to be going to bed. Habits. habits. right? It is unbelievable the way our our brain gets wired. Um, So uh, I'll share that because it sometimes takes me longer to read books just because of that very reality. Um, But at the same time, what I've really honed in on, and it was interesting, just getting ready for today, uh, I realized how many of the books I'm reading right now are focused on the brain um, and how it functions. And it actually goes back to something that got started I guess about 15 years ago, um, a, bunch, a bunch of friends and I started a company called Seven Systems Endurance okay. uh, Supplements. Yeah. Um, it was sort of born out of one of those kitchen <clears throat> table conversations with a bunch of guys, You know, yeah. one medalist at the Olympics, actually multiple medalists at the Olympics, a bunch of guys had gone off and world championships and yeah. Ironman champions. And we're sitting over there and we're bemoaning the fact that you know it would be great to have a supplement that you could get in one pouch that had all the key vitamins minerals mm-hmm. antioxidants that you need as opposed to having all these jars that you have to travel around with yep so we came up with seven system sports supplement which had 30 pouches just enough for a month um loaded Very with a cool. bunch of supplements in yep. there and actually went really well for about 3 years and then our supplier got purchased and a bunch of the SKUs got eliminated and they actually launched another product that sort of took ours and adapted yeah. it just enough so that it was no copyright infringement. Uh, and at the time would actually been observing something. And that was that, when we were taking the supplements, we didn't have severe hangovers. Yeah, This is 15 years ago, right? We were partying a lot. Um, Times were were different. uh, So times were different, very much so. And so we started looking at, we started analyzing, well, what's going on with that? And that's how I got into how the brain operates and this whole notion that really the brain only recovers at nighttime. It gets a flush. It flushes out a lot of the liquids. New liquids get replenished in there. If Those new liquids don't have the right minerals, vitamins, antioxidants. It can't function properly the next day and the rest is history. And we actually developed a beverage that was formulated to actually help people's brains recover and rejuvenate. Cool. What is it? Renew. R E N U. There you go. Um, And um, so we're sort of still trying to figure out how to promote because we actually over engineered it. Uh, We put too much good stuff into
0: it, so we can't make the margins work. (laughs) Engineers over engineering something. Go figure that, right? (laughs) And then you throw in a lawyer and an
1: athlete, and it's it's just bad news. We've had a lot of fun doing it. Um, But interestingly enough, it it got me into reading more about how the brain functions and uh, what's operating there. And one of the books that I read, and I'm still reading through because I really really thick book. Um, is called Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow uh, by Daniel Kahneman. Mm-hmm. and He, he was a guy that actually came up with REM. Um, and he talks about these wonderful experiments that they did to figure out how REM works and right. how our different sleep patterns work and how that affects the way that we think and react. He didn't have at the time when he was working on this back in the 50s, 60s, He didn't have the uh, technology that we've got right now where we can see different parts of the brain fire when you show them a certain picture. or They're put into a certain uh, stressful situation. Um, And that's where some of the other books um, that I'm reading right now, uh, like The Brain by David Eagleman, uh, are really interesting because he's been able to juxtapose some of that science in with – how our brain operates, and explaining why habits, for example, are so important. Um, There's a really neat part right near the end of his book where he actually talks, and it's actually almost like Matrix-like, where in the next 10, 15, 20 years, and Elon Musk is right in the middle of this, we're going to have devices that connect up with our brains directly um, and interface with it, and we're going to know exactly that when we say, okay, we're looking to the left— There is something on the screen that's going to go to the left, and it's not going to be because we've got anything in front of us. It's just we're plugged in. How we're going to be plugged in, that is beyond my engineering degree. (laughs) But that whole concept is actually really interesting as you think about people that have uh, limitations, mobility limitations, or have been injured. um, And it's almost like plugging in the device that you need for that specific task. Um, so that's another book that's been really interesting. Uh, and the last one I'm reading is actually Under Pressure, uh, okay. which is by uh, Lisa Damour. Uh, and I think she was the author of Untangled as well, which is more about okay. teenage girls and what they're going through right now. And it's just interesting. Once again, she looks at f- very much from a neurological brain function standpoint to... Um, and particularly in this day and age where we've got social media, the stresses of what school you're going to go to, where am I going to get my work experience, am I yeah. going to be successful, or am I not? And I think the pressure on women in particular in terms of being able to do everything. I was talking about this with my you know, 17-year-old daughter. Yeah. And they're expected to do everything to this level, you know, right up top. Right. That's not possible. That's not no. feasible. But that creates a huge amount of stress. And this book has been extremely insightful to better understand how teenage girls are thinking and what they're going through and has actually given me a ton of insight in terms of what my daughter is going through and oh, why amazing. she faces anxiety and why there's stressful moments for her where yeah. I look at and I go, why is that stressing you out? And all of a sudden, through reading this book, I go, I get it now. I right. understand just
0: a bit more. And it helps us being a par- with parenting to be able to do that, right? Huge, huge. Yeah, and I think that's, a, you know, to the parenting piece, a lot of people don't, look into that necessarily. They, they won't take that extra step to read to understand because unless you understand, then you can't know how to solve the problem. You can't get to a resolution without understanding. So I think that's amazing. Yeah.
1: It's interesting that you mentioned this whole understanding. I think one of the things that COVID it has done is on one hand, connected families because we just spend all this time together. Yep. Um, but I worry that it's created this environment where we've just gotten into a habit of we just do the same thing day in and day out because, you know what, it's just the easiest thing to do. And after month after month, another lockdown is coming. All right, well, we can't do that anymore. Right. People have gotten caught up in just not necessarily appreciating that family uh, and friends yeah. that are important to, yeah. uh, you know, that sense of need of belonging, right? Maisel's hierarchy of needs. Uh, need to belong is yes. not far below the physical needs of yeah. breathing, eating, um, it, yeah. right? So, um, that need to belong and that family sense, I think, is going to be something that we're going to really have to think about how we regenerate that in a truly authentic kind of way. Um, and that's why I think spending time with our kids, going out for the hikes, coming up with trips, um, yeah. and really having a chance to connect with them and hear them out uh, without being under the stress of, oh my God, I've got to be working right now. I've got a conference call happening. Little Johnny it wants help with his homework. Yeah. Uh, you know, Cindy's got some stuff over here that she's really frustrated with because something's happened with her friends and we should be going off and, you know, going off to this program at six o'clock and I've got another call then because I've got some international clients. Like (laughs) that creates an extremely stressful situation. And we don't have that ability to block out the specific time slots like we did pre COVID, or I think we were better at do it. We had better opportunities to do that. Yeah, I, I,
0: I think you could separate it better, right? Because people were like, I could separate home, work, And even if I had the hour in between and and some people can't, they're just, you know, natural workaholics, unfortunately. But I think there was that separation because you hear people that will just go for a drive after work, like around the block, because it creates that disconnect and allows them to then refocus and, and, you know, have that space, if you will. And, and I, I do think that's important because it is, and there's a lot of people that are busier now. I, I, last year when uh, consulting was lower for me, I would talk to friends that are working at organizations and they're like, yeah, we need you in here and we need others in here, but we can't bring any on. And they were hyper-stressed. To your point, they had that routine where kids, family, work all bundled into one, plus they're working 12, 14, 16-hour days um, because they can't get any help, they had to lay off 20% of their workforce, and it's just it's just a scramble. There's, there's no break because companies didn't want to take a break because they were obviously scared of their, their bottom line and, and the concerns around that, and that, that's fine. They're a business that's warranted, um, but it, it is, and it, it's going to be a huge mental problem as we move forward.
1: Absolutely. And, there was an interesting chart that we shared with Council. This is probably going back to when we had the Economic, economic Recovery Task Force, which was sort of spring-summer. Um, It was actually uh, provided by someone that's really a specialist in terms of healthcare. and has done a huge amount of stuff here in the community to help uh, kids and active uh, transportation and so on. And, you know, the chart that she shared with me was really interesting. The physical ramifications of COVID are going to spike. That was the first wave. And then, you know, in decreasing undulating uh, waves, not unlike any other response system, um, it's going to decrease and disappear. Conversely, mental health is going to continue growing and growing in much more of a linear pattern, um, and not only over the coming months, over the coming years. um, And that's where I think as a community, we have to be super conscious of making sure that the support organizations that are here to help people with mental health Mm -hmm. are at the ready and have financial means to get the right people in place because that need to have those supporting services is only going to increase, I think, as we get out of COVID and sort of the pressure comes off and all of a sudden our minds and bodies respond by going, wow, that was a super stressful situation. And that's where it all comes out. It does. Um, Yeah.
0: That's where all the unpacking will take place. That's right?
1: right. So I think that's where, I think we have a huge opportunity here. I think a lot of people that are here are very conscious of health and wellness. We did a study about six years ago, um, around you know what kind of employment is here and what kind of companies are here. And yep. The consultants were from out of town, and there were two things that struck them as very interesting. Do you guys have a mine over there, or what's going on? There are all these companies that specialize in mining. <laughs> and it was companies like McLean's and Meditech, <laughs> yes. and yeah. uh, over in uh, Thornbury, mm-hmm. there's another mining no, there's company. Not, but <laughs> Nothing, but it's just the owners love living in South Georgian Bay, and yeah. they chose here knowing sure. they could work uh, out of any other place. Yeah. Oh, okay, and the other one was... What is going on? Like, is there a big hospital or what's happening? There are so many people in the healthcare sector. Mm, yes. Uh, I was like, well, yes, there's a really great hospital here. Yeah. Um, but what happens here is you have a lot of people that are coming here who are very active, who yes. enjoy being healthy, who wanna be healthy. And that means you've got the supporting nutritionists, physios, chiropractors, massage therapists that come along with that. Mm. And we have a huge overindex here of those kinds of healthcare providers, which yeah. means that as people are moving here, you know, people are always amazed. You've got all those healthcare services here in South Georgian Bay. I thought it was like some small little town. Yes. Uh, and it's because we've had the fortune of having the ski resorts here, mm-hmm. people coming up here for cycling, hiking for decades and decades. And that's helped create a really strong, robust healthcare system. But again, that's something that we've got to really activate. And Dr. Lisi does a Research and Innovation Day every June. Oh,
0: it's yeah. uh, And it's, cool.
1: it's amazing. Uh, last year, he actually had a doctor from where the epidemic in Italy actually started. Uh, And last year we were having this at the beginning of June and he looked at the audience virtually and he's like, if you guys aren't wearing masks right now and using masks, you guys are crazy. And this was a week before the provincial government said, you have to be wearing masks. So, you know, we all looked at each other and we're like, we missed this by four months. And they'd been saying in Italy, you gotta be wearing masks. Um, But the power of having a... Research and Innovation Day here in South Georgian Bay that brings together um, leaders in healthcare across the world mm-hmm. is really neat. I think those kinds of opportunities where it brings healthcare experts, not only from here, but from elsewhere together to go, what should we be doing differently right. is a huge opportunity. I'm
0: not quite sure what the theme is for this year, um, but okay. certainly something to watch out <clears throat> for that Dr. Lisi is working on. I think it's really cool that it, it allows like the international crowd to come here and that the to your point, it, there is that draw to here that shows that there is a nucleus here, but th- we are reaching out to you know the world to bring in best practices to grow to evolve, and so I think that that speaks volumes for the community as well.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, it was interesting. We had the habit, uh, the UN Habitat Conference, yes, uh, virtual one that was hosted virtually here. You know, yes, it was supposed to be one that was supposed to be done in person, but I think we actually got a better range of speakers and discussions going right because we could do it i was moderating one of the sessions in terms of economic development yeah and i had representation from five different continents on that That's uh, virtual discussion and in some cases um you know for example here in canada and you know I think, uh, from uh, where was it finland no norway they're experiencing similar tendencies of outflow for major urban centers. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, in Africa, they're actually experiencing an inflow into urban centers because they're seeking the medical support that is only available in the main core city centers. In both cases, creating huge stress economically, socially, and really changing the way their economies have been working quite dramatically. But the direction of flow of people is completely inverse. Completely opposite. Uh, So it was really, really interesting. That would have never happened had we not had COVID and the opportunity to have those international speakers attend virtually. So that's where I go, you know what, there's some good things about COVID. And we're fortunate here in South Georgian Bay that there is an openness, that we have leaders here that are saying, yes, we can do things differently differently. And just, you know, distance should not be a limitation in terms of what happens here.
0: 100 percent. That, and that's amazing. I like that the leadership is making the, the movements and, and the pieces in place, too, because if you want transformation to take place, you need the leaders to be aligned. You need the leaders on board and you need them to be driving it as much organically that uh, happens to take place uh, or you want to take place. If the leaders aren't on board, then it will never grow or change at the, at the pace that, that is needed. Uh, Martin, I I feel we could talk for hours here, buddy. Uh, I want to thank you so much for joining today. Um, Where can people find you? What's the best way for people to get a hold of you, either online, in person, whereabouts? The
1: best thing is just come on up to Duntru and Highlands, uh, go to the pro shop and just go, you know, is Martin around here? And (laughs) I'll be out on the golf course or hiking or just, you know, going out there and doing whatever we have to do on that given day. Um, Otherwise, you can find me at Martin Ridlow at LinkedIn as well. And uh, those are probably the two best ways to get in touch with me.
0: Awesome. All right. Thanks again. Really appreciate it. Uh, Hope you enjoy the rest of your your day and uh, thanks so much for joining us. It's been great, Adam. Thank you. Awesome. All right. That's a wrap, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you tuning in and listening to the Ways of Working podcast. If you'd like more on Ways of Working or have any questions, you can go to www.thack.ca forward slash links. So that's thack.ca forward slash links, where you can access all episodes, uh, previous episodes of the podcast. You can access interesting articles and insights around ways of working. And if you want to get in touch with myself, you can also, uh, you know, for discovery sessions or, or more information around ways of working, you know, I'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to reach out to me there as well. All right. So thank you very much and hope you enjoy the rest of your day.